Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnards on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my co-host and my son, Emilio. Hey, it's Emilio. Yes, it is. In this episode, we'll be continuing our series where we discuss the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they went to college. In this episode, we'll be featuring two pretty big colleges who have produced a lot of NBA players. Michigan and Arizona. As we do in these episodes, we break it down position by position, starting at center, then power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. We got a lot to get to in this episode, so without further ado, let's get started with your pick, Melio, for Michigan center. I got Rudy Tomjanovich. Rudy Tomjanovich. Going back in the past a little bit, guy who played in the 70s primarily, tell me a little bit about Rudy T. Yeah, he was um, punched in the face by um, Hermit Washington. But he was a five-time All-Star. This guy was a good player, Rudy T. Yeah, uh, probably best known for being punched in the face by Kermit Washington, unfortunately for him, because he really did have a pretty terrific career outside of that one incident. He's a Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer, both uh, for his contributions as a player, where he was highly productive across a whole bunch of seasons, uh, starting his career in 1970 and ending in 1981, and having been an All-Star five times, as you mentioned, but also having a really successful career as a coach. Yeah. Uh, In fact, he was the coach of the Rockets, uh, the team that he played for during his uh, career when they won their two titles in the 90s uh, with the team that was led by Hakeem Olajuwon and later with uh, Clyde Drexler as well. So had a uh, had an outstanding career and uh, made the Hall of Fame on that basis. Uh, really a, a rocket for almost his entire career, just uh, coaching, coaching a little bit. Player. As a coach and player, really just uh, ending his career with the Lakers at the, at the very end, but uh, that, that's at the end of a really long and successful uh, career in the league. So, yeah, not much disagreement about his uh, about his inclusion on the team here from me. I went a different direction, but I think we're going to cover – my selection for center with uh, your pick for power forward. So why don't we get right to that? Um, yeah, I did um, uh, Chris Weber. Yeah, what can you tell me about Chris Weber? I mean, he's uh, one of the great players in Michigan history, to be sure. I mean, he's a uh, 93-94 um, um, rookie of the year, five-time All-NBA, five-time All-Star, five t- um, rebounding champ, all-rookie team. This guy was good. He was really good. I mean, he averaged, you know, 20 plus points, basically 20 and 10 for his entire career, which uh, lasted quite some time. Guy played over 800 games in the uh, in the regular season during his career. Really notable for having been uh, drafted number one overall and then traded um, to the Magic or traded from the Magic. Excuse me. He was drafted by the Magic with their second consecutive overall uh, number one pick after uh, Shaquille O'Neal the previous year. They lucked into another uh, lottery win. And quickly dealt uh, Chris Webber to the Warriors for uh, Anthony Hardaway and a package of uh, three picks. And Anthony Hardaway and Shaq really went on to be the nucleus of a really successful magic run there for a little while in the uh, mid-90s. Chris Webber, of Mm -hmm. course, went on to success in Sacramento, which is really where he uh, had his best, best days of his career. Oh, yeah. Uh, challenging for uh, finals appearance against the Lakers, uh, notably in, in one season. And uh, as you said, making the all-star team four times in uh, during his time with uh, with the Kings. Finally came back home. He's a he's a Michigan guy 
finally came back home to play with the Pistons towards the end of his career, which was a lot of fun. He even wore uh, number 84 when he was with the Pistons, which is uh, pretty cool, breaking out an unusual number during that time of his career. Uh, I had him at center, but I think he's also certainly a fit at power forward. Both these guys, a little bit less than ideal center size. Rudy Tomjanovich at 6'8", and Chris Weber at 6'9". Yeah, you had um, Rudy Tomjanovich at power forward. I did. I had Rudy Tomjanovich there. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're on the same page here for the first uh, two picks. How about at, uh, at small forward? I had Glenn Rice. Yeah, Glenn Rice. He's pretty nice. Did you have him, Jim? I did have Glenn Rice. What uh, what can you tell me about Glenn Rice? Some uh, some people might not have uh, watched this guy during his career. All-star gave them MVP, two-time All-NBA, NBA champ, three-time All-Star. Yeah, this guy was good. He could fill it up. Yeah, what were you telling me about uh, about his game, having watched him a little bit? How did he like to play? Um, I like to take threes. Yeah, he was a really prolific three-point shooter of his day. He'd get to the basket, too, though, couldn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Glenn Rice put up almost four threes per game for his career during the era in which he played. That was quite a bit. And a guy who could shoot it at a 40% clip from three, which is what he did for his career, uh, across 1,000 games. I really like how he played 1,000 uh, <laughs> exactly. regular season games right on the nose. I mean, very sharp. Good job by him uh, retiring at exactly that point. Uh, a 6'7 six, a six, guy who could shoot from three as well as he could and was as willing to fire away when he had a, a good look was uh, unusual for his day and a guy who featured prominently in uh, three-point contests back in his time and really effective player. I mean, you wonder whether he could have, uh, you know, how, how well he would have thrived in uh, in today's NBA where his skills are even more valued than probably they were back when he played. Fourth pick overall in the 1989 draft, though, so clearly a guy who was valued uh, coming out of Michigan at the time and really uh, paid that off quite nicely. How about at uh, shooting guard? Where'd you, where'd you go there? I went with um, Jamal Crawford. Yeah, Jamal Crawford, guy who's been sixth man of the year three times, a prominent bench player of this era. What can you tell me about him? He's coming back for the restart with the Nets. Yeah, pretty interesting. Do you think he has anything left? Yes, I actually do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The Nets not with, uh, who don't have uh, a whole lot going on on their roster right now, so he should get some opportunities. Yeah, if you look at his game log from the last um, – game um, of his career um, before, like, he came back for the restart. He had a monster's game. Yeah, I think it might have been one of those games where they were, like, feeding him the rock to, uh, to you know, allow him to, uh, to fill it up. But definitely, I mean, he, he still might have something left in the tank. I mean, the guy could really shoot for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, came into the league at age 20, still playing up to age 38 and now coming back to play again at, at age 40 and this, uh, this, you know, return uh, to play after the suspension coming up. I mean, average 15 points a game or thereabouts for his entire career. I mean, this is a career that spanned uh, over 1300 games in the regular season. And uh, really, I mean, the guy who's played the most minutes in, in, uh, in the history of anyone who played a uh, ball in Michigan. So Long and storied career for Jamal Crawford. Also extremely well-liked from everything that you hear in NBA circles. Just a guy who has been friendly with the media and has uh, made the right connections over the course of his time in the league. Very popular guy. Yeah. I actually had him at a uh, point guard. I think you could go – I think you could slot him in pretty comfortably at either guard spot, uh, depending on, you know, who else you have involved. And uh, that's what I did here. How about um, – who do you have at point guard? Um, Jalen Rose. 
Yeah, tell me a little bit about Jalen Rose, part of that uh, Fab Five team with Chris Weber. Yeah, Jinx. That being his nickname, according to uh, Basketball Reference. Uh, shout out, Basketball Reference. We love you. Um, yeah, the most improved player on him. Yeah, most improved player and, and really just a consistent uh, player throughout his career, I would say. I mean, played for a long time, contributor on a whole bunch of different teams. I mean, similar to Jamal Crawford in that he was, you know, not an outstanding scorer at any point in his career or, I mean, all-star level player, but really consistent over a long period of time and uh, has become a pretty prominent voice in uh, basketball media subsequently. And uh, I really appreciate the way he uh, shouts out Detroit because, uh, you know, he's a Piston fan just like uh, just like myself. So I uh, really, really appreciate Jalen Rose's uh, contributions to uh, the basketball media landscape in addition to his play on the court, but certainly a worthy addition to this team on the court as well. Famously, his uh, his father Jimmy Walker played in the uh, in the NBA, but they have uh, no relationship. So uh, that's uh, kind of a sidebar, but uh, not, not much of a connection except uh, in terms of the genes uh, between those two guys. Now, of course, there are a lot of players who attended Michigan. Uh, Fifty-seven who uh, went on to play in the NBA. Are there other guys who you wanted to get into? There's a whole bunch of guys who played a lot of minutes. Yeah, Duncan Robinson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Karis LeVert, Tariq Abdul-Ahed, the interesting name. Yeah, so the first, the uh, all those guys except Tariq Abdul-Ahed still in the league right now. Yeah. Any comments on, on them or any of the other active players who you think might be able to make a move on uh, this lineup in the future? Yeah, Duncan Robinson, I mean, he just got started this year um, popping threes. Yeah, he's already 25. I mean, he came into the league a, a little bit older, but I mean, I think, you know, he shot almost 45% from three this year. So, I mean, if he's actually a 45% shooter from three uh, and at the volume that he uh, showed this year, he's absolutely going to be making a, a move on this list. I mean, he has a long way to go to catch someone like Glenn Rice, who's as accomplished as, as he is. But I mean, Duncan Robinson off to a tremendous start in his career, to be sure. You think there's any hope for, uh, you know, the likes of Karis LeVert, Tim Hardaway Jr., I mean, uh, to get on this list at some point in the future? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're both pretty good players. Definitely. I mean, it's really just a question of how their careers develop from uh, from this point forward. Uh, any other uh, any other players uh, through history who, uh, who you wanted to mention specifically? I mean, they're, uh, you know, Cassie Russell, number one overall pick back in 1966, part of uh, Nick championship team. Um, that, I mean, there, there have been, a, as I said, a, a lot of uh, – a lot of NBA players who uh, who attended Michigan. Um, Juwan Howard. Certainly a notable one. Also part of that Fab Five team with uh, Chris Webber and Jalen Rose. Played a long time in the NBA. Made a lot of money in the NBA. And uh, as you know, now has gone on to uh, be the coach at uh, University of Michigan. So, uh, you know, helping to bring along the next uh, generation of, um, of NBA players who have come from Michigan. Yeah. Some other memorable, uh, memorable Michigan alums uh, from NBA's past: uh, Roy Tarpley, who got off to a, to a really impressive start in his career, number seven overall pick in 1986, before dealing with a bunch of drug issues that uh, sidelined his career. But a guy who was capable of averaging up to like 20 points a game. Uh, Robert Trailer, who was taken uh, number six overall, uh, famously uh, traded on draft night for uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, one of the uh, more unbalanced trades of all time when you look at it in retrospect, to be sure. Uh, Tariq Abdul-Wahed, as you mentioned, famously uh, changed his name to uh, Tariq Abdul-Wahed upon converting to Islam from uh, Olivier St. Jean, which was what he was named uh, 
when he was drafted. Some other players who we've talked about uh, in as we've been looking through NBA history who have made notable impacts on the league, guys like uh, Rumiel Robinson, uh, Lloyd Vaught, Gary Grant, Double G as we call him, uh, Maurice Taylor, Mike McGee, uh, the, the list goes on. I mean, there, there have been a tremendous amount of contributions from uh, NBA players who attended Michigan. Also wanted to uh, point out before we, uh, before we move on that uh, Mokhtar Njai also uh, attended uh, Michigan uh, before transferring to uh, North Carolina. Any, any comments on, uh, on Mokhtar? Not really. Interesting. All right. Well, I guess we can uh, we can just wrap this up by uh, going over our lineups uh, for Michigan one more time, and, and also mentioning uh, John Garris, a guy who who caught my eye despite having just played briefly in the NBA, but really, uh, you know, my kind of guy, fifty five wearer during his career. So uh, respect to that. Uh, so yeah, you're, let's just run down your uh, Michigan lineup before we move on. Center rooted Tom Donovich, um, power forward Chris Webber, small forward Glenn Rice, shooting guard Jamal Crawford, point guard Jalen Rose. All right, great. And that, and my lineup was uh, Chris Weber at center, Rudy Tomjanovich at power forward, Glenn Rice at small forward, Jalen Rose at shooting guard, and Jamal Crawford at the point guard spot. So uh, we will take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment to discuss our lineups for Arizona. And we're back to discuss our lineups position by position for players who attended Arizona. Let's start out with the center spot. Mills, uh, who you got at center? DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, tell me a little bit about him. Um, DeAndre Ayton, I mean, this guy, number one overall pick. I mean, if you're the number one overall pick, you're probably pretty good. Yeah, that was just a couple of years ago, too, right? 2018 draft, first overall. You think uh, they might be having some uh, some regrets about uh, about that pick? Uh, Yeah, they could have picked Luka Doncic or even Trey Young, so, hey. Yeah, maybe not the best choice in retrospect, but still, DeAndre Ayton uh, taking strides forward and, and looking like uh, a, a real contributor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, putting him at center among uh, all the players who have attended Arizona, pretty high praise. I mean, you certainly uh, are, are expecting a lot from DeAndre Ayton going forward, I would imagine, if you're putting him uh, on this team. Yeah, um, did you have him there, Dip? Yeah, uh, I did. O- only 21 years old, and I think there, there are definitely other directions that you could go and other people I considered here. But uh, DeAndre Ayton has, uh, has the kind of promise that uh, – Leads me to want to put him on on this on this team, uh, despite the lack of experience to date. I mean, he hasn't seen any playoff action yet. I mean, he he's only played 100 games, 101 games in the league so far. So, and is obviously not coming back for the restart because the Suns are out of it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting to uh, to think about where he, he might go going forward. I'm pretty sure the Suns are coming back for the restart. Oh yeah, well <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably right about that. I mean, they're they're pretty far out of it in terms of uh, being competitive, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are coming back. Yeah, I guess just not uh, not not top of mind given uh, given the circumstances. But, yeah, thirteen nine. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm sure you're correct about that. In any event, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he's actually able to bring when he uh, comes back with the Suns in these final eight games of this season, and then uh, obviously to see what he uh, what he's going to do going forward. All right, so we're in agreement on uh, on the center spot. How about at uh, power forward? I think we might have a dis- difference of uh, opinion here. I have Larry Markman. Yeah, this is an interesting call to me. I mean, I feel like, uh, well, I mean, I'll let you explain yourself first. Tell me a little bit about Larry Markkinen for those who might not know. Um, this guy was a good player. Well, he's still he's he's still in his career, him. right? Yeah. <laughs> Has been a good player so far. Yeah, only 23 years of age. I mean, he's uh, seventh overall pick in the 2017 draft, just a year before DeAndre Aiden. What, what do you like about his game so far? 
I don't know. I haven't watched him that much, actually, but I know he's a good player. He can put up points. His field goal percentage, 49% so far. Yeah, guy can shoot it from three for sure. I know that was part of the promise and uh, excitement about him coming into the league. Tall guy. I mean, he's seven foot, can uh, play the four, and primarily a four, not, not really a five, and uh, can really shoot it. I mean, I, I think you know, we're kind of waiting to see more evidence of his uh, of his shooting. Because, I mean, he's kind of peaked at, at 36% or so and has shot around there for his career. I think you'd like to see it you know, get up into the 40 kind of range. And I think that was what the expectation was when he entered the league. There's some other guys who we're going to talk about, I think, who could be in here at Power Forward. And uh, I actually went a different direction here. You went with a, with a young guy, as, as we both did for the uh, the center spot with DeAndre Aiden. And I went with an old guy here. I went with uh, Channing Fry. Ooh, okay. I think you could uh, consider him a, a center as well, and I certainly thought about him in that spot instead of uh, DeAndre Ayton, too. For me, Channing Fry just it's really about the duration of his career and the impact that he had at, at various points. Um, has played a really long time, has been a, a, a like stretch big guy who could shoot the three, a threat out there for, I mean, most of his run. I know when he first came into the league, he wasn't shooting very many threes, but he's really uh, picked that up as he's gotten later into his career. And, I mean, you look notably, I mean, Channing Fry, you know, came into the league in uh, 2005, uh, playing up until uh, just this past season, and uh, really a huge contributor down the end of his career, especially in the playoffs. I mean, the Cavs, uh, the Cavs finals runs uh, in, in uh, 16 and 17, really, I mean, a, a huge impact. I mean, you look at his three-point shooting during uh, that championship run in 2015-2016, I mean, the guy shot 56% from three. I mean, you know. Playing 14 minutes a game, but I mean, with that kind of impact and that kind of threat from the outside, I mean, a really important part of a championship team and a team that got to back-to-back finals. So that's the direction I went there, but I can certainly see going other places at Power Forward because there are a lot of choices. Yeah, Channing Fry, his cousin was also Tobias Harris. Yeah, our boy, uh, Tobias Harris, a uh, Long Island guy and, uh, you know, Tennessee uh, 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 Tennessee attendee, a uh, guy we, uh, we like a lot, guy played play for the Pistons as well, so... Uh, you know, good family ties there too. Actually, born in uh, in White Plains too, uh, back in uh, back in New York, just uh, just north of, uh, of the city. Apparently, nicknamed the Buffet of Goodness. I've never heard that before. The Basketball Reference hooking us up with that uh, colorful nickname for uh, for Channing Fry. All right, how about at uh, the small forward spot? Which which direction did you go there? I went with Andre Iguodala. Yeah, Andre Iguodala. I mean, this guy is, is pretty serious. I mean, we've watched a lot of him in recent years on the Warriors uh, championship teams. I mean, much like uh, Channing Fry has been in the in the spotlight, but playing a much more prominent role. Tell us about Andre. Yeah, he won Finals MVP in one of the years that um, they won. Yeah, pretty 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 legit. I mean, you know, playing defense against LeBron uh, is going to go a long way uh, in terms of uh, showcasing your value in a in a final series. What else can you tell me about uh, about Andre? Man, this guy, three time NBA champ, two time All Defensive Team, one time All Star. Um, all-rookie team, finals MVP, and he's still playing. Yeah, still playing right now. I mean, joined the Heat at the end of uh, last season and uh, is coming back for, for the restart, still 36 years old, and uh, has kept himself in really good physical condition. So, I mean, you, you got to think he'd, he'd be able to play longer if he wishes to. Uh, someone who um, is, you know, well-regarded as uh, one of the most intelligent players in the league, you know, really thoughtful and aware player on, uh, on on defense and offense, and just in terms of his understanding of the game and his uh, his interests in the you know the tech world beyond basketball as an investor, and I mean just as a businessman, definitely well respected and uh, 
you know, credit to, to Arizona to be sure. And, you know, a guy who can continue to add to his resume. Now, do you think Andre Godal is going to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, no. Close call though, right? I mean, he's like one of these guys who was never like a super duper star, but was also a contributor on a whole bunch of really good teams. So I think it'll be an interesting argument when, uh, when the time comes. I had Andre Godala as well. I think there are other good options at a uh, small forward who we'll get to as we uh, wrap up this segment, but uh, let's, let's keep moving here and uh, get to shooting guard. I have Jason Terry. Yeah. So uh, what do you got on Jason Terry? Jason Terry. I mean, this guy is good. The jet. <laughs> yeah. Known as, uh, known as the jet during his career. I was telling Mills uh, just before we uh, started recording that I've often uh, thought because the Jet is a name that's shared, a nickname that's shared by a few different NBA players through through the years, and because uh, Jason Terry always seemed to be such a uh, classy guy, such a well-respected individual on the court, that he should instead go by the Gent, because he's such a gentleman. Uh, we'll see if we can get that to stick, uh, based on my having said this on this podcast. Uh, what else can you tell us about uh, about Jason Terry, a guy who came off the bench and was part of a whole bunch of uh, high-quality NBA teams? Yeah, I mean, won a title with the Mavs. Sixth man with the um, the Mavs too. This guy is he he had a long career too. So like, yeah, yeah, played in a lot of places on a lot of good teams. I mean, you know, contributed to winning basketball in a whole bunch of different spots. And uh, you know, I, I think really a credit to uh, to Arizona basketball and uh, and and, a, and an excellent fit on this team. Even though there are other options you could go to as well. I also had uh, Jason Terry. How about a point guard? I have. Um, Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas. All right. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, Agent Zero, as he's uh, as he's known. Uh, this guy is like a James Harden-type player. I mean, this guy is nasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to like watching the uh, highlights of Gilbert Arenas. Definitely a crafty, uh, you know, fearless shooter from, uh, from way downtown. I know what you mean about the James Harden comparisons. I mean, he had the same kind of mentality and uh, desire to uh, – pop from all over the place, make guys look silly. Uh, yeah, just not not the duration of career that you would have hoped for, but really, really impressive player in his day. Yeah, this guy has 20 points a game for his career. Yeah, and that's with, you know, falling off, uh, you know, ha- having some numbers at the end that dragged him down a bit. I mean, you know, at his peak, I mean, he had a, he had a run where he, was, where he averaged, you know, 25 and a half, 29.3, and 28.4 points per game across three years, each of which he made the all-star team was a major factor and as we said was shooting a ton of threes i mean really just uh kind of a modern player or a contemporary you know a player who could play now who uh you know played in the style that people play now who was uh playing in in you know the middle of the last decade and you wonder what uh, his career would have been like if he could have avoided injury and uh, maybe could have played a little bit later as well but made a real impact when he played of course the point guard position is really deep at arizona and uh, i went with mike bibby Oh, yeah. I mean, he's good. Yeah, played. I mean, really, what it came down to for me is, I mean, Gilbert Arenas probably a, a higher peak, a high, reached a higher level when he played. But Mike maybe just played, like, basically twice as many games. And that's what it came down to for me. Part of those excellent Kings teams that we discussed earlier in this episode or alluded to it earlier in the episode that Chris Weber was on. And, uh, yeah, just a phenomenal career across a lot of years. I mean, you know, really productive, if not, uh, you know, n- not an all-star at any point in his career, which, uh, you know, is kind of surprising when you think back on it and think about the prominent teams that he was on. <laughs> you're giving, giving me a look. You're not, you're not surprised? I am surprised. Very yeah. surprised. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone who came into uh, the league as, as the number two overall pick, so had, had you know, 
lot of standing when he entered the league as well. But never made the All-Star team, and but you know it didn't stop him from having a terrific career. Not a not a Hall of Famer, not really in in the mix there, but you know really strong contributor for a long time. So we need to get to uh, so let's wrap up our teams here, and uh, we can talk about you know some of the uh, the many other Arizona alums that uh, that are worth mentioning here. Yeah, Richard Jefferson, Aaron Gordon, Sean Elliott, Steve Kerr. Yeah, I mean, any of these guys you want to hone in on in particular? I mean, Richard Jefferson played a ton of minutes in the league, part of a lot of winning teams, uh, you know, between going to the finals with with the Nets. I mean, getting back there with uh, with the Cavs, of course, and winning a title. Yeah, this guy could throw down. Super explosive dunker, absolutely amazing athlete upon entering the league and really maintained that athleticism for a long time. I mean, you saw him, we were just watching some highlights of uh, Richard Jefferson. I mean, you were watching him throw down monster dunks on the uh, on, on the Jazz, the Mavericks, I mean, the Cavs. I mean, this is late in his career, but uh, still major ups and major athleticism. Uh, yeah. How about on uh, Damon Stoudemire? Let's uh, talk, talk a little bit about him before we uh, move on here. Yeah, I mean, this guy was the rookie of the year. I think he was the um, first Raptors draft pick ever, right? That is right. Yeah, number seven overall in 1995. And was really, I mean, an instant star for them. I mean, played, you know, upwards of 40 minutes right out of the gate and was excellent. I mean, you know, 19 points per game, nine assists. You know, as, as a rookie, I mean, one rookie of the year, really, really impressive right out of the gate and put some uh, credibility uh, on the on the Raptors franchise before uh, moving on to the to the Blazers and then the uh, the Grizzlies later in his career. But uh, an outstanding career. I mean, you know, would be the starting point guard on, on a lot of these college teams. I mean, was that good over that amount of time? But uh, just it's a loaded field here with uh, with Arizona. Let's also talk uh, briefly about uh, Aaron Gordon. I mean, I know it's a guy who, uh, you know, you've obviously watched a lot during his uh, during his career, an active player. What can you say about uh, Aaron Gordon? Yeah, this guy, another guy who can really throw down. Yeah, I mean, one of the best dunkers ever, I would say. Uh, yeah. Just absolutely ridiculous athleticism. If you have not watched his uh, his dunk contest performances, I mean, stop what you're doing right now. Go check that out. I mean, this guy has unbelievable leaping ability. And I mean, I don't don't know that it's translated to the court, maybe as well as you might have hoped. But I mean, he's he's kind of leveled off at, at a guy who can, you know, score upwards of fifteen points per game, get somewhere in the neighborhood of you know eight rebounds, something like that, which is still you know really positive level of contribution. It's just you know maybe not superstar, all star level. Yeah. Uh, let's also talk about uh, about Sean Elliott. Uh, what did you, uh, what did you, I mean, I know he obviously uh, retired in 2001, so long before uh, your time, but what did you, uh, what did you learn in, uh, in researching Sean Elliott a little bit? Um, he's a good player. I mean, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, really consistent starter on some uh, winning teams. Yeah, won a title with the Spurs. Yeah, it was with the Spurs for almost his entire career. Just had one year in Detroit where mm-hmm. uh, he was briefly. I don't think it went quite as well as everyone was hoping uh, that year in Detroit, but really bounced back as soon as he got back to the Spurs, played on some excellent teams with some awesome teammates from, uh, you know, David Robinson, obviously, to Duncan. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it was part of, uh, of some excellent teams. And uh, we don't we don't have time to, to get into everyone we want to on, uh, on Arizona because the list is so long, but we should mention uh, Steve Kerr as well. Yeah. What, what can you tell us about, uh, about Steve Kerr? This guy's three-point shooting was ridiculous. 
ridiculous 45% for his career. He got up over 50% in like two seasons. Or more than two seasons. Yeah, it's really outrageous how, how good of a three-point shooter he was. And, you know, we've been talking about, yeah. you know, the connection between him and, and uh, you know, the guys he's gone on to coach with the Warriors. I mean, Steph and Clay. I mean, like when those three guys are in the same room, I mean, you have like, you know, three of the absolute best people ever at shooting the three ball. I mean, in the history of the world. I mean, those are some epic three-point shooters. He didn't do it at the kind of volume that uh, Steph and Clay do, obviously. You know, a bench player. I mean, not a not a starter like those guys are. Not expected to drive offense, but you can hardly imagine a better three pointer, three point guy to have on the perimeter when you have uh, you know the likes of Jordan and Pippen attacking as um, you know Steve Kerr did during his days with the Bulls. Won four consecutive championships with the Bulls, and then I mean his you know the start of his career as a coach. I mean, I know we're not really covering his uh, coaching here on this uh in, in these lists but i mean his you know career as a coach is kind of impossible to top in terms of uh, the start of his career going to the finals and winning three in his first five years yeah as, as, as a coach, coach and a player he's won how many titles seven championships uh that's pretty good yeah i mean it's up there with the most titles that anyone has won in nba history obviously there are a couple people who have won more but i mean it's a small list for sure Steve Kerr, an incredibly successful player and an Arizona alum that we have to mention. All right, so before we go, anything on uh, Etrick Bohannon, a uh, guy known as, uh, as as Batman? Mm, he went to three colleges. Yeah, he attended uh, Arizona, Tennessee, and uh, Auburn University at Montgomery. A little, uh, little bit less uh, less well known of a uh, of a college. I wonder if anybody else has gone there. Yeah, there was one other uh, one other player who went to. Uh, uh, Auburn University at Montgomery. We're talking about Orlando Graham. Any comments on, on him for, uh, as a result of his 22 minutes in the league? So, um, well, let's go over our teams uh, one more time before we uh, move on and uh, get to the comparison. Okay. Um, Senator DeAndre in power forward, Larry Markson, small forward, Andre Iguodala, shooting guard, Jason Terry, and point guard, Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, and I've got uh, center DeAndre Ayton, power forward Channing Fry, small forward Andre Godala, shooting guard Jason Terry, and point guard Mike Bibby. We could uh, we could go on for a lot longer on Arizona alums, but we will uh, wrap up this segment right there because it's already running really long, and uh, we'll get to the comparison just after this. And we're back to wrap up this episode by comparing the squads for Michigan and Arizona position by position, as we do. Let's start at uh, center, where we've got Chris Weber of, uh, excuse me, Rudy Tomjanovic of, uh, of Michigan against uh, DeAndre Aiden of uh, Arizona. Who you got, Mills? I'm going to go with Rudy Tomjanovic. Yeah, just a more established career? Yes, yes. That, that makes sense. DeAndre Aiden could uh, pass him at some point in the future, but that hasn't happened yet. So that uh, that's one nothing lead for, uh, for Michigan. At, uh, at, at power forward, we've got Chris Weber uh, for Michigan and Lowry Markinen for Arizona. Who you got there? Um, Chris Weber. The same kind of uh, logic, Chris Weber, just mm-hmm. his whole career in the bag. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, hi- higher level of player than uh, than Markin in, in any event. So that's a two nothing uh, start for uh, for Michigan. Now, how about uh, at small forward? You got two guys with uh, much more of their careers already uh, tucked away with uh, Michigan's Glenn Rice and Arizona's Andre Iguodala. Um, I'm gonna go with Andre Iguodala. Yeah, what's your thinking there? Um. Good defensively and offensively. I don't really know if Glenn Rice was good decent defensively. 
Yeah, so maybe a more well-rounded player in, uh, in Andre Iguodala. And certainly, you know, uh, clearly it can be a part of, uh, of a winning combination, uh, as he's evidenced with, uh, with the Warriors. Uh, I think that makes sense. So you have um, – so that puts Michigan at a 2-1 advantage. At, uh, at small forward, we got uh, Jamal Crawford of uh, Michigan and Jason Terry of uh, Arizona. Who you got there? You got to go Jason Terry. Yeah, what's your, uh, what's your logic there? I mean, pr- pretty close call, I would imagine. Yeah, Jason Terry. I mean, they both had really long careers, and I feel like just Terry like, had a slight edge. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. I think he's a l- little bit higher caliber of, uh, of player across his entire career than uh, Jamal Crawford, but close call for sure. So that would even it up at 2-2. So uh, heading into the, the point guard matchup where you got Jalen Rose of Michigan and Gilbert Arenas of Arizona. Which way are you going there? Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, just a higher peak. I mean, uh, more exciting yes. player. Yes. And I think definitely more of a point guard than uh, than Jalen Rose was. Played point guard oh, more yeah. of his career. For sure. Had the ball in his hands a lot. So that gives a, a 3-2 edge to, uh, to Arizona. Is that uh, how you think it would actually uh, work out if they got on the court? Yes. Very interesting. I think it'd be a really interesting matchup between uh, between these squads. I think uh, they're, they're two, two of the better, uh, uh, more, more evenly matched up uh, squads that we've looked at so far. And I think it, it would be a very close, uh, very close contest between these two. They actually both have 57 players. Yeah, very interesting. So these schools, uh, and I think both uh, definitely pipelines for uh, NBA talent uh, going forward as well. They both, uh, both big time schools with uh, reputations uh, to, to, to match their standing and uh, likely to produce more NBA players going forward. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that, that'll do it for uh, for this episode where we've uh, looked at Michigan and Arizona, and uh, we'll very much look forward to uh, talking to you again in a few more days. Yeah, bye. I mean, um, if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we're, uh, we're continuing to uh, make our way out to uh, more and more platforms. We should be on Apple Podcasts in the next couple of days and uh, proliferating to other platforms from there. But we're already on Spotify, on Podknife, on Anchor, on Google Podcasts, on Breaker. And uh, as I said, those uh, places will be expanding uh, in the coming days. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. Bye.